Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning to declare that you are worthy. We thank you for all that you have done for us this past year. Through sickness and health, through high peaks and deep valleys, you have been our guide, our protector and sustainer of our lives. And to you we give all glory, honor and praise. We thank you for sending your son Jesus to do what we could not, to perfectly obey all of your commands. For in love you have predestined us for the adoption of sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. And in Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. We thank you, Jesus, for your perfect obedience, your gracious humility, and amazing love towards us. And we thank the Holy Spirit for your gifts that you have generously given to all those that have repented of dead works and turn and trust in the works of Christ. Help us to use those gifts to build up the body of Christ that you have made us a part of. Thank you for your work of assurance and guidance and strength that you impart to every believer. And Father, we come before you as we start this new year to ask for more grace, for more power, for more strength, to live as you have called us to do. Let us be imitators of Christ in our attitude and in our actions. Enable us to reach out, to reach in, and to reach up farther and deeper than we even think possible. And in doing so, may we lift up our voice in praise and worship. Father, we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. This morning, we're not yet in the mark. We'll be getting back to the Gospel of Mark next week. But I wanted to give you a challenge for the new year as we look at 2016. I know that last year, 2015, might have been a tough year for many of you. And always as we look at the new year, there's always a new hope. There's always new resolutions and new things that we want to do. In reading the Wikipedia, it talks about the book from Francis Schaeffer called, How Shall We Then Live? And it traces the Western history from ancient Rome until the time of his writing. And it writes along three lines, the philosophic, the scientific, and the religion. Interesting enough, his central premise is that when we base society on the Bible, on the infinite personal God who is there and has spoken, this provides an absolute by which you and I can conduct our lives and by which we can judge society. And this leads to what Francis Schaeffer calls freedom without chaos. Freedom without chaos. When we base our society on humanism, he says, he writes, which he defines as a value system rooted in the belief of man in his own measure, that man is autonomous, totally independent, and that all values are relative, And we have no way to distinguish right then from wrong. Because you and I, and because people disagree on what is best for which group, this leads to a fragmentation of thought, which has led us to despair and alienation so prevalent in society today. He wrote this in 1976. But as I'm reading, you're probably thinking, 
of 2015-2016. He goes on to write another premise is that modern relative values are based on personal peace. In other words, a desire to be personally unaffected by the world's problems and the word affluence and increasing personal income. He warns that when we want to live our lives by those values without a standard of absolute truth, he says we will be tempted to sacrifice our freedoms in exchange for an authoritative government who will then provide those relative values. Interesting. He further warns that this government will not be obvious like the fascist regimes of the 20th century of Stalin and Hitler, but will be based on manipulation and subtle forms of information control, psychology, and genetics. Now, it looks to me like he had a time machine and he was able to read 2015 when relative truth has now risen to an art form and now each fragment of society is wanting to live by their own truths, but then also want to force others to live by those truths and then try to find all sorts of things. And we find ourselves giving up a freedom or we take freedom, but it's not without chaos. It is comes with chaos. And that's the type of world we live in now. It seems like this world is nothing but chaos, is it not? doesn't matter what you put on the news. doesn't matter if you're looking at the Mideast if you're looking at Russia, if you're looking at Europe, if you're looking at our border, if you're looking in our state, in our, our nation, it just seems like chaos reigns. And for many of us, we don't really have to look on the news. We just have to look within our own homes and see the way that our homes are chaotic, in which relevant truth has destroyed marriages, destroyed families, destroyed neighborhoods. In the same way, we can look in the mirror and see that there's no freedom without chaos either because our lives are chaotic and we're in turmoil in ourselves. There's anxiety, there's despair. There's all sorts of these things. And we look forward to the new year because for many of us, we think, well, if it's a new year, then that means I can put everything behind me. It's a new year, it's a new start. But it really doesn't work that way, does it? It's like those who run to get away from themselves and their problems only to find that their problems follow them wherever they go. You and I may have good thoughts and good things for 2016, but we're bringing everything else in with us. And we can ignore it, we can set new resolutions, we can do all these things, but in the end, it all catches up because the problem is, is our foundation is shaky, right? That's in the end. The foundation is shaky. It cannot hold the weight of all of our aspirations and our dreams and our desires because they're based on the wrong thing. So how then should you and I live? I think Francis Schaeffer had a little bit of prophetic uh, utterances with him when he wrote that book in 1976. Great book. You ought to read it. It still has a lot to say for you and I today. So the New Year challenges, and I do want to challenge you as your pastor. I wanted to challenge myself because like you, there are different things that I'd like to see happen in 2016. Not that I'm uncomfortable or unhappy with how 2015 I trust in God, but obviously there's new things that we'd like to see. There's old things we'd like to avoid. So how then should we walk? I find it then in Ephesians chapter 5 as we continue with our scripture reading. It'll be here on the board if you'd like to take your Bible and turn to Ephesians 5. When he says, Therefore be imitators of God, 
In verse 15, he then goes on to say, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as what? Wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, Father, we come before you, and the only truth that we can hold on to, the only thing that's relevant to us in our lives is your word. And let us hold dear to that. Lord, I pray that you make it come alive, even if it's for the very first time for us this year. Let us make your word an old friend, a comfortable companion. Give us your wisdom. Father, let us difference between what is your word and what's my opinion, what's our thoughts, and what's our reason and intellect. But Lord, may your Holy Spirit give us true interpretation, may it give us how we should respond, and that may we respond in the way that you called us to. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to take that verse, and we're going to break it down a little bit, and I want to challenge you a little bit this morning. It'll be a different type of message than normally we have. When he first says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, we see that the wise or fools does not mean one that is intellectually challenged, just as a wise one does not mean intelligent by the world's standards. When we use the word wise and fools in in our standard, we're usually talking about IQ. We're talking about maybe common sense or things of that nature. But biblically, when you see fools and wise, you talk about one who is wise, who acknowledges God. A fool is one who doesn't. The unwise live apart from God. As the Bible says, a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They live apart from God. They live their lives against God's law, and they can't comprehend the truth, nor their true condition. The Bible tells us that the God of this world, speaking of Satan, has blinded their minds. They cannot see the truth. They cannot comprehend. That's the unwise. So he says, look carefully as you walk, not as someone who lives apart from God, not as one who is against God's law, or one who can't comprehend the truth, nor his true condition. You're blissfully ignorant, the Bible tells us. However, the one who is wise, as we go on, is one who is in close fellowship or partnership with God. It's one who seeks to obey the law of Christ. It's one who understands the truth in his true condition and his reliance on God. So what is he tells us to look carefully, to walk circumspectly, as the King James would say, of how we walk. That's talking about how we put one foot in front of the other, but how we live our lives, how we conduct ourselves. He says, make sure that you're living as one who is in close fellowship and partnership with God. I think of David, where he says, your your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When he says that we walk together with him, we seek to obey the law of Christ. I think of Jesus telling his disciples, they will know you are my disciples if you follow me, if you obey my word. The one who understands the truth and his true condition, reliance, Paul gives us that. Who is sufficient for these things? It's rhetorical. The question is none. None of us are sufficient for these things, but we're to look how we walk. Not as one who is unwise, but as wise. Those that not only hear the words of God, but does them. That's what he tells us in Matthew. A 
foolish man is one who hears the word of God. He can set under preaching. He could read the word of God. He can listen to it in some way. He could measure it in some way. But yet he looks at it and says, oh, these may be great words, but yet he doesn't follow through. And we've spoken about that in the past. Whereas the wise man, Scripture says, is one who not only hears the word of God, but is one who embraces them. One who takes them as his rule of life. One who loves them. One who meditates on them. Look carefully how you walk, not as one who's unwise, but walk as one who is wise. And I would challenge you. If you were to look at 2015 in your walk as you're looking hindsight 2020, can you see the areas in your life, the decisions that you've made, the way in which you've lived your life in which it was not wise? And then you probably can see areas in which, yes, these things seem to go, and I did in the same way. In 2016, would you commit and say, Lord, give me the strength, give me the awareness. Send your Holy Spirit to give me the strength, the wisdom to walk as one who is in close fellowship and partnership with God, one who is seeking to obey the law of Christ. Not that any of us could do so perfectly, but one who's seeking to do so, understanding the truth and the true condition of the reliance of God. As we're talking this morning, we're going to be talking about us as a body, OVBC, the family, the body of Christ that he's called us to, the visible expression of an invisible church. He's called us to live our lives in such a way. And so as we go in this challenge, I want to challenge you is that you and I are called to live in wisdom. You're called to live your life in wisdom. You're called to, to love your wife and to, to love your husband and your family in wisdom. To live and walk in your work and conduct yourself in that type of wisdom. Why? Because we're to make the best use of time because the days are evil. And I think this is something that you and I don't always understand. I know there are times that we just go through life have you ever had those where you're going through a day or you're driving and all of a sudden you kind of, whoa, where am I? You ever had that? How did I get home? You ever had those, those type of moments where you're just thinking everything like, wow, where was I the last few moments? And you think about, oh, Lord, thank you for getting me here safely. Have you had whole days where it's like that? Maybe whole weeks? Many of you know my mom. She has struggled with this last year. She had several instances where she would all of a sudden come out and it was four or five hours later and she had no idea what she'd done. No idea where she's been or what's going on. And it's been a concern. And so obviously as her son, I always go, am I having those types of moments? Maybe I'm having one now at this moment. I don't know. But we have to make the best use of time. And we don't always do that is what I'm trying to say. We're not always cognizant of our time. Why do you think that is? So many of us think and live our lives as if we have forever to live our lives. As if we're never going to stand before God in judgment. What Scripture says, the days of man are numbered. For some it might be 70, for some it might be longer, for some it must be much shorter. But you and I do not know the time we have here on earth, do we not? We don't. King James says, redeem your time. How much time do you and I waste on concerns that are just really trivial? The arguments that we have over the silliest things the ways in which we just entertain and keep ourselves busy and hours and then say, oh, we had no time 
to read God's Word. We had no time to share the gospel. We have no time to invite anyone over for hospitality. But time just continues to go. He says, make the best use of your time because the days are evil. You and I need to make the most of the time that God has given us into fulfilling God's purpose. See, you and I act as if our time is our own. Or that, hey, well, I know that I have to give 40 to 50 hours at work. I know that my wife or my child is going to need this much. I know that I have to have this. And in our daytime, in our time, we never give account that God says all of this time is mine. Yes, you may have to work 40 or 50 hours. Yes, you have to do this. But when it comes down to it, our time is not our own. We use that phrase a lot. I want some me time. You know, I want some mobby time. You know, mothers, little children need that. I need some mom time. I need some of that pampering. But he tells us that we need to make most of the time that God has given to us to fill God's purpose recognizing that every circumstance and every moment is a God-ordained opportunity. See, every month you have that reconciliation thing. For most of us may understand it. Is that you know that every penny you spend, the bank is going to come and say, well, this is how much you have at the end or how much you don't have at the end, whichever the case may be. We have to recognize that there will be a time we will have to give an account for every precious moment that we spend. And I could imagine the conversation or the fear that we may have when we stand before a holy God and have a given account for the moments that we spent. What could we have been doing instead of watching TV or a movie? Time we could have spent instead of napping our life away or doing some other type of pleasure or other type of thing. He's called us to live as salt and light in this world. He's called us to be the fragrance of God, doing good to all, loving our neighbors as ourselves, and loving God with all our hearts and mind and strength. That includes the time that He has given us. You do not have any you time. It's all God's time. And each one is a gift. And He says, use it. Use it. God says, just be faithful. Be faithful for what I've given you. Every event in our life is designed either to test our character and to draw us near to God or to destroy our character and to draw us away. As Satan uses to try to trick and try to keep us manipulated, I think one of the greatest things that he's done is just to keep us busy. I believe someone has a quote on that. I don't recall what it is, but his greatest tool to keep us from God is just to keep us busy. And as churches are very good at that, Churches will use the calendar and say, well, what we need to do is we need to keep the people busy so they're on track for God. Never asking if the things they're doing are the things that God has called us to do. And I felt myself with our staff and with our elders meeting, I've had to to give evidence to this type of thing in my own life. There are many times that we plan, what are we going to do for the year? And you think that you have 365 days. This year, guess what? We have 366, do we not? Is this a leap year? So we get an extra day. What are you going to do with that extra day? Sleep? Go away? Have you thought, well, God, what would you want me to do with an extra day? What would you do with an extra 24 hours? But as we're looking at the calendar, didn't the time go by quickly? Before you knew it, we were out of dates, were we not? 
and thinking, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And we don't even do a lot as a church. We just do a few things. But boy, time goes by so quickly. But in the end, are we really asking God, what does He want us to do? See, what you and I do is we set our calendars, we set our budgets, we set our life up, and then we go and pray and say, God, will you bless what I'm doing? Right? That's a good thing, right? I think we kind of have it backwards. For should we not ask God, how should I spend my money? How should I budget? Father, how should I budget my time? How should I budget my relationships? Father, what in what way should I budget what you've given me to do? Instead of asking God to bless what we're doing, should we not say, God, what are you blessing? And be involved with that. And as a church, we've been finding ourselves not doing that as much as we should. And as we're doing the calendar, we have all these things. You know, we have Spring Fun Day, we have Ignite, we have Summit, we have all these things, and we're asking, wait a second, we're busying ourselves to death, and we think that we're doing ministry, and we think that we're doing God's work with never saying, Lord, is this what you want us to do? Is this what you want us to be involved with? And then we see ourselves and, and we say, now, now not only are we do that, but we're going to ask everyone else to come and join us to do that. And so it's helped us to recognize, wait, before I ask people to commit to something, it ought to have a godly purpose. It ought to have a godly design. Why? Because the days are evil. Why do I ask you to come on Sunday morning? Because we believe this is the time when we as a, a body come together and we worship and submit and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Why do we ask you to commit to a small group? Because it's I believe it's a time where we can come together and pray and do life and encourage one another. That's important. It's just not another time where we can say, oh, I've got 20 people that came. Sunday school is important. Why? Because it's deeper instruction. We're starting a series on the reliability of Scripture. How do I know that I can trust the Word of God? These things are important. And so when we ask you to take time to do that, it's because we recognize that the days are evil and we need to make the best use of that time because like our money once spent, you don't get that time back again, do you? If you ever asked, boy, if you could go back and change history, wouldn't you like to do that? Wouldn't you, if I could only go back, if I only knew then what I know now, you don't get that. We just need to make the best use he goes on in verse 17, if you're following along, he says, Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. But in verse 17, he says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Since life is short, we're not to be in the pursuit of pleasing ourselves, but God, and that's where we find ourselves too many times. I'm guilty of this. I think if you're honest, you would say, yes, you're guilty of the same thing, of pursuing your own pleasure, your own desires, rather than the things of God. Let me ask. Let me ask just right now. You don't have to say anything, but I just want you to think about it. If Christ were to say, come home, today is the day of reckoning, today you must give account of your life, are you ready? Are you truly ready to give an account? for what he has to say. I think if we're honest, we may say, yes, Lord, come quickly. But I think if we're honest, I don't think we're looking forward to seeing him. 
But let me share this. Here's where the gospel comes in. Because the gospel is grace. There's no condemnation. You will not find condemnation when you stand before your Father. You will find love and acceptance. But there'll be a time where we stand before Him and give account of all of His gifts, of whether or not we've been faithful. So I challenge you, if you have a resolution, make that resolution not just losing weight, not just eating healthier, not just making better use of what this or that, but being faithful. Lord, help me to be faithful. And here's the good thing. And here's the struggle. As a pastor, there are many times that I have to stop and say, do not expect others to have the same love and desire for the church as you do. For me, this is my life. This is my calling. For many of you, this may be a church that you say, I want to be part of. Some of you may give to it. Some of you may attend. Some of you may just be a place that you just choose to go, and you could very well choose somewhere else. And many people have. So I understand that. But I have to recognize myself that I can't expect everyone to serve. And what I've had to learn is there's nothing wrong with that. Because that's God's calling for my life. And that's where he's called me to be faithful. He's called you to serve and to be faithful in different ways. So let's not judge and challenge each other in our faithfulness. Our faithfulness is who we stand. The Bible tells us, what's the phrase I didn't have in mind? It says, do not judge another man's servant. I've had to learn that as a pastor. It's not my role to stand in judgment of you as a servant of God, but to encourage. There may be times to rebuke, to exhort, and to lift up and to build up. Why? Because we all serve the same God with different services, with different gifts, with different talents. But he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Since life is short, we're not to be in pursuit of pleasing ourselves, but God, we are to acquire the skill of godly living. I think this is where many Christians struggle. I know this is where I struggled for many, many years. Why? Because I thought I knew the Bible. If you put me in Bible baseball, which we're going to do this year, I think that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Or some Bible trivia. I can score. I'm the ace. I mean, as a little kid, I was the kid that when we had VBS, I won the Bible every year because I knew every story. And my kids are very much the same way. So Bible trivia, let's go. I'm ready to go. I can put the house on it. Well, wait, I don't own a house. Well, I can put my landlord's house on it. See, what's good as that? Just knowing the facts of the Bible does not mean that you have the skill of godly living. I think of uh, Greg does marriage and family counseling. You probably come across a lot of people who have a lot of common sense, but the skill of living with others and family living is much more difficult, is it not? The skill of living financially is much more difficult. It's something that's acquired. Let me share with you some things. You and I are to acquire the skill of godly living. The skill of godly living is where one must thoughtfully discern, apply, and practice scriptural truths. It's not just knowing the facts of the Bible. It's not just saying, I believe in Jesus, or I love Jesus, or I'm all about Jesus, or I got a tattoo of Jesus, I've got a fish sticker in my car. But it's about discerning and applying the scriptural truths in order to live in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. That is not something that comes by osmosis. It's not something that comes when we become saved. It's something that's acquired. That's what the church is for. 
It's a living amongst other believers and say, let's learn how to live and be imitators of Christ. That's why Paul says, walk in a manner that's worthy. That's why he says, walk like me, act like me as I act like Christ. You and I need that together because we need the skill of godly living. It's not about understanding what the will of the Lord is in such a way in which we're trying to see the very mind of God. It says, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The problem is, is everyone always saying, I want to know what the will of God is. The will of God is just to walk in His will. But what you and I want to do is we're trying to find all these hidden things. There are some things that God has revealed to us, and there are some things that He has chose not to do. I find so many Christians who are paralyzed in redeeming the time or making the use of time because they cannot make the right decision. I had this Wednesday. Randy and I went over to Home Depot and we were going to go pick up some molding for room 208. Bad idea. Don't choose me to go. For one, I'm not sure what molding we had. I wasn't quite sure what size we were supposed to get. All I knew is kind of what we were kind of going. So I go over there and, and we're there and we're looking and I was hoping that there was just like this prepackaged, Rob, take this one. I went through there and found no such sign. I'm serious. I went through there several times. So we're looking at them, and all of a sudden, I'm looking at these boards, and they're like 16 feet long, and I'm thinking, all we've got is Randy's little truck. There's no way they're going to fit in there. And we're going on and forth, and, and some of them say four inches, and I thought that's about how wide. Some say three and seven, eight, so on and so forth. I'm thinking, ah, I don't know if this is it. And he goes, well, I don't know, Randy. I don't know if we can get this one. And I'm picking this one and then picking this one up. And I said, I don't know. That's why I was going to send Dustin and Nicole. To I was going to send them to, to go do it. I hate having to do this. And going on, I'm picking one up. Okay, well, we'll get this and we'll cut it. I'm going on and on. I'm just waving in the wind. Finally, he goes, well, just make a decision. And I finally said, all right, fine, go. That's how we live the Christian life. That's how we live the Christian life. We stick our, you know, our finger in our mouth and we kind of see which way the wind's blowing. This Christian pastor says this. Oh, this Christian teacher says this. Oh, wait a second. What about this? What about that? And we follow fads. And we follow people that maybe we shouldn't always all the time. And then things get a little bit tough. And oh, wow, that God must not want me to go that way. So he wants everything to be easy. So I must go this way. We're living our lives that way. And we're wondering why we're never getting anywhere in our Christian life. Why am I still struggling with the same sin and the same temptation? Why are my wife and I fighting about the same issues? Why are we still struggling with the same things? Why am I still struggling with giving or giving more? Why am I struggling just getting to church? Why isn't my Christian life deeper, more rewarding? It's because we haven't acquired the skill of godly living. We're trying to discern what God's will is. It makes the sound profound. It makes the sound scriptural, but in the end, it's not. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 29. If you and I can gather this portion of scripture, I think it will help us in our Christian living. Deuteronomy chapter 29. It's the fifth book in the Old Testament. Start Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. You'll find Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, 
But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So that goes back to say there are some things that God has revealed to us and there are some things that he has not. He probably has not revealed to you by some type of voice or some type of thing who you're to marry, how many children you're going to have, where you're going to work, whether you go to college or whether you don't, whether you take this loan out or you take that loan out. God has not revealed those things to you, but he has revealed those things that are found here that pertain to life and godliness. And so many of those questions that keep us from going forward can be found in God's word through his truth and his principles. But we cannot be stopped saying, well, he just has not revealed his will. For there are some things he will not. We must realize that we're to understand what the will of the Lord is. And it's found in his word. So look carefully then how you walk, making the best use of our time because the days are evil and do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So I want to take a moment and I want to talk about what we believe the will of the Lord is for Orange Villa Bible Church. And I want to talk to you here today as a pastor, talking to those that have come and are Christ's followers and have joined us in membership. To those of you who have chosen to join with us here each Sunday, I want to share with you what the will of the Lord is as we look at 2016 and we work to redeem the time. We have a challenging year here at OVBC. It'll be our 57th year in existence. As you know, it's my 10th year of being here. We're working on our 11th now and we're excited what God is doing. You and I need to be on the same page. God has been working among us in a mighty way. We saw our children's program just explode these last few years to the point that we're almost now exploded too much and we have to learn now not to expand. We need to now start to contract many of those things because we just don't have the workers. We just don't have the space. So God has been doing a mighty work. We've been making new inroads. We've been making new friends and new people come along of our church. We've lost some, some that we've loved and cared for. And it always breaks our heart. He calls us to move forward. So it's important for us to be on the same page. And so I'd like to share something that is familiar to those, but it's good for us to be reminded, is that you and I have a unique vision, a unique mission, and a unique strategy that you and I have been called to know and to support in order that we may look carefully how we walk, that we may redeem the time that God has given us, that we may walk in wisdom. Our vision is to develop lifelong seekers of the kingdom of God. It's wherever you are in your life is to join with us as we seek to know more about God, as we seek to develop that skill of godly living, as we want to be those that seek after the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We're not seeking after the gifts of God, so to speak. We're seeking after God, recognizing that His gifts come to those that know Him, that love Him, that seek Him diligently. Our mission statement is very simple. It exists to glorify God by obeying the Great Commission with the heart of the Great Commandment. It's why we exist. It's why we're here. It's why we have buildings and have an organization. It's why we come together and meet. The Great Commission, and many of you know, is go therefore make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching to observe all that I've commanded. He says he's with us to the end of that age. The heart of the great commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself. This purpose statement helps define what it is that we believe that we're called to do in evangelism, sharing the gospel, fellowshipping, coming together, uniting, doing life together. Discipleship is encouraging each other to grow and to strengthen in our walk, to learn how to walk godly in our lives, in the ministry, to serve others with love and to worship is to celebrate God's presence. So what does that purpose statement mean for you? Let me ask you this. Who are you trying to reach for Christ? Who is it now that you're praying for, that you're in conversation with, that you're in life trying to share with them the gospel? Let me share, if you do not have someone, you might be out of whack. You may not be walking as one who is wise. In your relationships, we're to share the gospel. In our going forth, who are you life sharing with? Who is it that you're praying for, that you're encouraging? What Christian are you walking and saying, hey, can you mentor me or can I mentor you? What are you doing to show your faith and to exhibit? In what ways are you the fragrance of God? What's your place of service? With the gifts that God has given you, where are you faithful? Who are you serving? Who is the recipient of why you're here this morning? And how does your life honor Christ? In what way is it a fragrance of God? Is it a well-pleasing sacrifice? Now these things are above us. These things are so myriad. How do we do that? How do we accomplish that? How do we become a lifelong seeker? Where do we even start? Well, obviously, we always give you our strategy just here at OVBC. We just think there's three ways that we can do it. We're trying to make it simple. We're trying to walk in such a way in which it's simple that we all can do it together. And that's by reaching up. That's by focusing on God, not just on Sunday mornings. In the morning, are you waking up? Are you thinking of God? Are you going to bed thinking of Are you in your day? Are you focusing on God and His good gifts and what He's doing for you? Are you worshiping? Are you praising Him? Are you celebrating His presence, expressing your love to Him? We reach in by life sharing. That's fellowship and discipleship. That's the messy part of church. It's loving those that sometimes are not loving. It's being at peace with some of those sometimes that are not peaceable. It's the 65 one another's in the Bible. Are you doing that? Are you involved in a small group? Are you involved in life together? And let me challenge you. One of the areas that I'd like to see grow, and some of you are doing this, and I commend you, but get together, not just in the calendar of the church, but get together personally. There's some of you that go out to eat. There's some of you that invite each other to dinner. Use that gift of hospitality. Get involved with one another, not just with the corporate events. Obviously, do those also, but also get involved in daily lives. These people here ought to be people that you see, not just once a week, but people that you're in an interactive during the week, calling, texting, Facebooking, Twittering. There's so many ways that now we can be involved in that. And then by reaching out, by serving others with love through ministry and evangelism. God has called us to do these things. Why? Because he's called us to walk circumspectly, to walk carefully, not as unwise, but as wise men and women, making the best use of our time because the days are evil 
understanding what the will of the Lord is. And I want to end the message here. And I want to challenge you that 2016 is a year that God has given us. We don't know how many days of 2016 we have. He could give us a whole full year or He could give us just half the year. He can just give us today. We don't know. But as a church, we need to use what God has given us to His purposes and His benefits. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd ask you this morning, the Bible says that we need to pray for a greater desire to share the gospel. We need to pray for a greater desire to grow in Christ and a greater desire to serve others. We're in need of men and women who were like the men of Eskar from the book of 1 Chronicles, who the Bible says understood the times to know what Israel ought to do. We are in need of men and women who understand the times and knows what OVBC needs to do, what our families need to do, what we as individuals need to do. So are you ready to commit to become part of the family of God? Maybe you're here this morning and you have not yet received Jesus as your Savior. Would you do so today? Please do not delay. What does God need to do to show you that you need a Savior? What else does He need to reveal to you to show you that one day you will stand before Him and there is nothing within yourself that would make you right with Him? Recognize, please, that it's only when we repent of our dead works and that we turn and trust in Christ can we have eternal life. Can we be made right with God? Are you ready to commit to become a member of OVBC? Many of you are ready. I would encourage the rest. Are you ready to be part? You've been attending, you've been giving, you've been supporting, but are you ready to make that commitment and say, I'm ready to be identified as a member of OBC? Are you ready to, to commit to, the, to serve the body of Christ using your gifts and talents for the building up of others and the sharing of the gospel? Would you commit to that as the Holy Spirit would call you to respond? Would you respond? With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you take a moment to pause, to consider, to pray, and to respond to what the Holy Spirit may be calling you to this morning? Father, we ask for your wisdom. I pray that you would give us the wisdom to walk as those that are wise and press upon us the importance of redeeming the time, of making the best use of our time. And press upon our heart those that need to hear the gospel, those within our body that need to walk in a godly way. Lord, those in which we need to share our gifts and talents. Father, I pray that you'd make us wise. And we thank you for these gifts. We thank you for your spirit who enables us to do so. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.